following is a podcast with the panelists of the Luxembourg House of Cybersecurity Forum on the value of open source in the open data community. Enjoy the lively discussion between Mika Laude, Paolo Vecchio, Daniele Pagani and Pascal Steichen. Let us start off with what the LHC forum was. Basically, uh, we are now regularly hosting these LHC forums. The last one we had was on uh, free and open uh, source software. And uh, Pascal, if you could uh, give us an idea on why does uh, the LHC host uh, such forum? So we want really to look into, I would say, topics, questions important for, for the cybersecurity community and bring together experts, specialists, interested people in this topic uh, to have a quite open and, and free of, of all borders discussion about it. That's why we have this idea of having a Chatham Humboldt House Rules Forum uh, st style of discussion. But within this discussion, try to identify key elements where everybody agrees, which would be important to communicate outside. So, so to, to have such a publication outcomes, recommendations, maybe um, around these, these topics. That, that's the, the basic idea. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Okay. So um, is there, uh, just, just foreshadowing a little bit, is there, is there already something planned for, for the next forum? What would there be the topic? And does the topic always revolve around cybersecurity? Yes, the topic revolves around cybersecurity, uh, obviously. We are the house of cybersecurity. And the regularity it will be more or less every three three months, so four times a year more or less. And the next one, yes, is is being scheduled at the moment, and it will be around post quantum security. So let's jump back to the um, to the last one, which was uh, around uh, free and open source uh, software. We touched on uh, many aspects, and um, uh, what we basically then did, we uh, compiled our uh, our session into. A, a paper where we resume uh, kind of the outcomes that we have found. But um, Paolo, you, you've been in uh, open source uh, also a long, long time. What is for you the main advantage of, uh, of using a free and open source uh, software? What, what would be your elevator pitch? Many elevator pitches, uh, if I could be frank. But one of the main one is actually the uh, with open source, we managed to create what is called the internet now, all the various services that are available uh, on the internet and practically now open source uh, powers most of the, uh, the products and the services that we are using every day. Many people probably don't realize that open source software actually uh, enables the websites, enables the uh, routers, the switches, the devices that actually are uh, driving the, the internet and they are also in their phones, in their TV, their cars and, uh, and everything. So that happened or has been made possible, uh, especially by cooperation, especially by having the source code available to all uh, so that they could improve it, extend it, connecting, uh, you know, various open source projects through uh, so open standards. So that, that the combination of open source software, so the code itself that can be seen by everybody, and the use of open standards that allow actually this massive growth of innovation, you know. So that we are talking about innovation and ideas that are being developed by anybody that actually wants to participate. Mm -hmm. So how and rather why is using free and open source software an accelerator for innovation and technologies? And, and perhaps how have you 
use that to your uh, advantage uh, within within your your structures. Actually, I would be seeing that that uh, this uh, open source software is actually bringing se several these kind of different um, advantages. It's uh, all about the innovation. It's all about the neutrality uh, in this world where we are just now living. It's about the efficiency and uh, you know. Utilizing the bandwidth and so on, there was a huge amount of this kind of the, the open source applications, which are much more efficient uh, in the performance point of view than the op uh, this kind of commercially available solutions. Um, it's also that that the open source is reducing the complexity, so that that many IT companies nowadays around the world they don't really know what is happening in their their server rooms they are not having this kind of understanding. There is a huge amount of black boxes, what they are mastering. Actually, uh, the open source is also striking through this uh, complexity. It's making the issues much more clearer and e easier to understand, and also they the, the separate from each other. And last but not the least, of course, is the cost issue. So that that's when we are now seeing how the, the license, uh, the, the fees, etc., are booming, um, you know, in, with that money, you can already having a rather um, large IT department running by yourself and developing and, and utilizing these services compared to the previous years. So, so having worked for, for multinational companies, do you see really, because uh, I guess during the heydays, it would be like, okay, it costs what it costs. Mm. But now, do you also see that, okay, we, we kind of, okay, open source is there, it's cheaper, it's more cost effective. Um, is, that, is that really a, a global change you see in the entire uh, corporate industry? Yes. Uh, however, of course, that there are still coming obstacles. And I think that we are discussing about the obstacles a bit later. But then anyway, that, that if we are able to remove these obstacles, actually, I would be saying that the big companies would be much more eager to use these kind of solutions. Mm -hmm. And um, another thing that, that we noticed is that the communities around open source projects are ex extremely important. How can you be, as a company, involved with an open source uh, community? Isn't that complicated because it's all individuals? No, actually, it's just needing a bit different mindset. This is the mindset is the, the biggest thing. It's, it's not uh, the technology, it's not uh, the, the commercial agreements, but you have to understand the community is like a ameba. You know, mm. there's a people coming, people going, the contribution is remaining there. How are you engaging the people who are working in the community? How you are interacting with them? You know, you don't send necessary emails. It might be that the channel what you are using is a GitHub, for example, for the communication. You are meeting the communities. You are spreading this kind of challenge for them. They are responding for the challenges. Mm. It's just totally different kind of mindset. You are not, you know, sending quotations, receiving offers, etc. It's just needing a new kind of approach for these kind of people. Yeah, I mean, a concrete example. Eh? I mean, uh, I've experienced both uh, open source and non-open source. Eh? Usually when you have uh, issues, eh? when something is not working in that environment, uh, which is critical, eh? in a proprietary environment, you end up with uh, opening a telephone bridge where you have, you know, experts trying to solve the issue cooperatively. And what I've seen is that the harder the issue is technically, the more people have to be called into the into the bridge, and the more people have to cooperate. But in the end, you know, they are talking to each other on the bridge without having any code in front of them. Whereas, you know, in other situations where using open source, similar kind of issues eh, can be solved. I mean, I give you a concrete example that happened to me not long ago. Eh? There was. Uh, uh, some people using uh, the Jupyter Notebook uh, for uh, for a data science uh, project. 
uh, at some point uh, Jupyter Notebook stopped working because there was a new version that was not compatible with the way we are using uh, Jupyter Notebook behind the reverse proxy. And uh, the people who were trying to resolve the issue look at the code, they find the solution, they made a pull request to, 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 to the community, and uh, this was accepted. And within a few days, uh, there was a new version with this issue resolved for us uh, and for everybody else uh, was using the same uh, tool in the same configuration. And these are kind of things that, uh, of course, require the people, and indeed, we will, this becomes then an obstacle we will discuss later. It requires people with the right skills to be able to do these kind of things. But when you have the right people and you have open access to the code, the resolution of issues and the improvement and the quality goes with the speed, which is uncomparable compared to, to the traditional approach. Paolo, did you want to complement on that? or um, Yes, well, I wanted to complement on the, especially on the community side. Uh, just keep in mind that uh, probably there's, there's still the stereotype of the community member, which is a, probably a nerd closed in his uh, uh, bedroom trying to uh, write some code. Mm -hmm. uh, that probably was true many years ago, but nowadays uh, our so large corporations actually are using and contributing to uh, open source. Just keep in mind that the so-called cloud is a, a bunch of open source projects put together uh, by big corporations. So you know the 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 contribution there is by individual uh, working for so very large organizations, uh, and the good thing is that you can have so a lot of these individual working for the organization that all of a sudden get uh, let's say a breakthrough in improving performances and so on by a specialized individual that actually look at the, at the at the source code and say well guys probably you can do things much better this way and this big corporation actually benefits. Also from these experts. Mm -hmm. So, so that, that's basically for all the, the for all the advantages we have regarding uh, free and open source uh, software. But there's a lot of challenges. So let's concentrate on the on the challenges. That uh, the first challenge is the the dominance of uh, of proprietary software in uh, in the business world. Um, uh, Microsoft Office is, I guess, the, one of the the better examples. On the server side, it's uh, looking uh, rather different, but. It's 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 maybe a silly question, but let's let's ask it anyway. Why is that? Is that really just historical? Yeah. Well, it, let's say that the humans are unfortunately very resistant to change in general. Okay. So there are issues at various levels. One of the issue is generally sitting between the screen and the, and the chair, where it says, "Well, you know, I got work to do." I have deadlines, I don't want to see something different, I don't want to learn something different, I just want to do the things the way I'm used to do it. Because naturally we create, we, we have naturally a, uh, um, you know, memory or uh, muscle memory in a way that, you know, if we do the same thing all the time, it just get easier and faster for us. So change there is difficult, especially if uh, employees do not have the training, do not have the time to adapt to, to change. And then naturally then there is also the other side, uh, from the uh, management point of view, where if you have to do large-scale changes uh, in an infrastructure, it requires a lot of organizational time and skills, naturally. And from the management side, very often also, uh, the uh, benefits for these changes are not immediately uh, apparent. And very often, so the management does not realize that they are already running the entire infrastructure, the critical infrastructure, on probably 80% 
that is based on uh, on open source. Okay, so so let's let's focus on on, on that um, on that attitude gap, if you want, between management and perhaps uh, the developers in, in in this case. What what can we understand from that situation? Um, is it a, a technical technical deficiency? Is it um, just an understanding? Is it maybe a hierarchical uh, issue? Um, Where's where's the, the the issue? I would say it's it's neither of all of all of them. Um, the, the the few examples that I, that I know uh, is is more linked to the willingness of going deep, basically. So, measure um, people or people uh, projects organizing projects or who are focusing on on let's say delivery or or, or selling selling. I would say business objectives. Um, often, they do not want to be bothered with uh, technical software uh, issues. Um, so they go for the for the basically these solution. Try to outsource it. Try to find someone who does do that for them, and then wants to have the safeguards uh, uh, thereafter accountability, responsibility. So basically putting the responsibility on someone else. And, um, and, and there the solution is, well, find a company who, who, who sells us a solution that, uh, that does this and this. And then uh, if, if it fails, well, we can, we can blame someone. Mm -hmm. Mika? I, I would partially um, second what Pascal was just saying is that, that, of course, we are having issues currently which are blocking these, like the regulations. So the regulations what we are currently creating all over the planet are targeted mainly for the, the big companies, mega providers. And of course that if there is a startup or, or this kind of community, how can they fulfill the, the requirements, legal requirements, which are targeted for the, for the big mega companies, which are having 500 lawyers who are having all kind, all kind of departments for approvals and so on. You know, this is already this kind of barrier how, how to cross that. The secondly, second is, is definitely, of course, that, 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 that risk assessment, what the, the companies need to do. And then we are coming with the topic, what the Pascal was just saying about the safeguards. If you are purchasing your, your solution, even if it would be how crappy, how unsecure, from the, one of the biggest players in the world, are you going to be blamed individually? No, absolutely not. Because there are one thousands of companies who are having the same issue, and usually these kind of things are then handled in a different way. But if you are taking and you know stepping out from this mass, and and you are having some special solution which will be having uh, some security issues, you are much more securely pinpointed, finger pointed that you have been making this kind of bad risk assessment. You have been going there. Even your solution would be actually ten times better than the, the commercially available solutions. I think that uh, indeed a uh, lot of it is about uh, the risks uh, in, in, in a corporate environment of using uh, technology where you might not have the right skills. Eh? Uh, I think open source works very well when you have the right skills. And when you're not confident you have the right skills, then when you know you tend to go to the market and therefore you need all the, you, you expect all the safeguards that, that come from a commercial vendor. But that's also why the, the open source model now is becoming more and more uh, a viable uh, business model. That uh, there is a growing number of uh, commercially sustainable companies that are using open source as a model to uh, distribute their, uh, their software. 
and uh, they make that business sustainable, doing uh, more services and doing more uh, add-on feature for specific uh, needs, specific uh, requirements from uh, from organizations. Now, mm -hmm. that the fact that this is becoming more and more a sustainable model is encouraging, and uh, you know it brings together the benefits of the open access to the code and the, the benefits of having a mature, a more mature market providing uh, the, the, the support and the, and the services and the risk guarantees that the, the companies expect. Okay, uh, Paolo, you, you had a contribution? Yeah, just a little comment. Uh, actually, in, in terms of uh, risk management, risk assessments and compliance, uh, I mean, uh, it's, it's normal uh, that there should be an evaluation of the risk of adopting a solution that you know is open source, probably hasn't got all the various certification that many other organizations have. But then I also wonder, you know, with this kind of uh, fashion of moving everything to, uh, let's say, a rented open source platform, uh, which is distributed glo globally, uh, with some called cloud, I mean, a lot of people don't read also the uh, the small print uh, on the contract that they, they, they are signing. I mean, in the small print, we'll say, actually, if we lose all your data, if something goes wrong, well, probably we're going to reimburse you for months of your subscription, but it's all your fault. So this is actually written, you know, not in the same terms, but practically it's all written in, uh, uh, in, in this contract. So there is a kind of dissonance there between some organization or some, you know, uh, managers that say, okay, I want to have somebody just taking the responsibility of all of it, but I'm not reading actually the contract I'm signing. Uh, same thing, for example, with GDPR. Uh, you know, when you use a lot of the most commonly used uh, cloud services, you're actually not GDPR compliant. Uh, and that is actually written in the small print because you take responsibility of that. So probably the, there's more need to uh, train so these people to understand these issues if they actually want to be compliant. I, I, I wonder if uh, th there is uh, a kind of a data awareness uh, out there. Like everyone talks about data, but that really understanding what that means uh, from a corporation standpoint and also from a personal standpoint is is fairly difficult to grasp because um, we Absolutely. see it by the data leaks. I am fairly sure that a lot of people were very surprised that they leaked that data they didn't even know they had. Yeah. Um, so uh, the data consciousness is, is perhaps not as... Um, as, as developed yet. Um, and the question is, will that ever happen? Uh, because data is a weird uh, concept that is not really human. You cannot touch data, and uh, we're really good with touching things. So I, I really wonder if um, how you how do you legislate around that? Uh, yeah, um, just a, a concept to connect again uh, toward, uh, you know, with new tools, in, in this case, cloud. We remember the many issues that uh, there have been. Uh, for a long time of, uh, with buckets of data being opened out there on, uh, on, on the internet so that there is an issue naturally also of understanding uh, what data you have, where it is, how you secured it, and very often is also, well, what value are you taking out of that data? So yes, there is a lot that needs to be done. Uh, there are also some various projects that actually have been created to, uh, let's say, extract uh, value from data in a, in a trusted and privacy conscious way. I'm thinking, for example, at uh, Gaia X and, and other various projects, so which are perfectly linked to creating awareness about the data in general, uh, extracting value and securing it as well. Mm -hmm. Mika? 
So, of course, that, that we are living in the time of the, the high-tech war. We are, we are living in the time of the geopolitization. And, of course, that, that this is impacting the, the thing what the Paolo was just mentioning about the cloud. And uh, what we, we are living here, you know, in EU, and we are living inside of the EU data bubble. But when you are looking at the, the, the big picture, what is happening outside of the EU, then actually it's clearly that this kind of data nationalization is happening in a strong way. We are now having more and more governments, recently one, one, one of the, the, the biggest in the world, uh, who was also creating own data and, and uh, this kind of um, uh, regulation, which is clearly saying is that no citizen data is anymore leaving the country. And we will be seeing this coming more and more because of this. And in the same time, here in Europe, we are discussing and struggling about the, the cloud and uh, how we are playing the game, game with that. But I would be saying that we are very short-sighted in that sense that, that we are thinking that what we are experiencing here in Europe is the same what the, the rest of the world is experiencing. Which is, yeah, as you said, uh, a very different story, especially if you go towards Asia. Uh, it's just... It's a different, a different game, partially. Mm. Um, well, there, there's other challenges, of course. They, they have with it only being uh, Asian data. There's another problem we have identified, and that is uh, the marketing problem. Um, open source has a marketing issue, <laughs> and that's um, uh, really uh, hard not to crack because um, it's individuals, it's uh, big communities. Um, uh, how, how do you see this uh, being worked on? What, what's what How can we solve that marketing issue? Uh, marketing is important because naturally we are all bombarded by information, advertising, uh, subliminal messages even uh, every day. Uh, so naturally we tend to go to toward what we know more. If somebody says, well, what type of office suite would you use? Well, I would say LibreOffice because it's an open source office suite, but others probably they are probably more influenced in, in using uh, uh, in, in using something else. So yeah, marketing in general uh, is important, but I think is even more important to lead by example. Uh, this is one of the things that is, is needed to actually show, look, uh, you know, it's not that it's only these nerds using uh, open source. Uh, well, actually, everybody's using it, first of all. And then we start seeing more and more, you know, institutions, governments actually showing that they are uh, upgrading to open source solution because actually they solve the problems and actually the same solution can be used by everybody else uh, at home, in their offices, small organization, large organization. For example, uh, for my small organization, it's about probably 15 years that I've only been using Linux and open source software. And well, Honestly, I don't feel actually different or excluded uh, because I'm not using the usual vendors. And I have a question for Daniele, actually. Um, who do you think is best positioned to, to uh, drive a, um, uh, a little bit of a promotional tour, if you want? Would it be the public sector? Would it be uh, academia? Would it be maybe the private sector even? Um, how do you see that? Because you, you've seen quite a few angles already. Well, I think that uh, indeed the public, uh, public sector and academia can play a big role. Eh? Uh, some people say that, you know, one argument is that uh, what is funded with public money should become uh, public code, eh? should be uh, made available to everybody uh, as a public good. 
and, uh, and that would be one way for public organizations to reduce their risk and uh, you know, with, with lock-in with vendors and to increase their uh, data and, and digital sovereignty. Mm -hmm. It is a big challenge uh, in, the, you know, in the current context that we discussed uh, earlier. Mm -hmm. uh, so if we, indeed, I think that you know, if uh, public organizations uh, redirect their spend on IT towards uh, open source uh, tools and towards the open source ecosystems uh, of you know, developers and uh, companies providing services of open source, that could really make a difference. It could really change the, yeah, the, the, the maturity. Uh, and address the, the, the skill gap that sometimes uh, some, some entities feel that, you know, you don't have access to the right skills uh, and therefore uh, we are a bit afraid of using open source. If the public sector makes the first move, I think that would really change things. And it may sound today a bit risky, but uh, probably if we look at it uh, from a, with a bigger time perspective, eh, uh, probably the risks that we, that we incur into by not doing it, I'm much, much uh, higher. Mm -hmm. um, Mika, Paolo, Mika. Actually, how about if I would be challenging this marketing term? You know, that, that the question is that, that I would be saying that, that perhaps the, source, uh, the open source is having enough marketing. It's just that we are not the target group and we are in the wrong forum. So if we are now discussing about the, the marketing in, the, in that, what we are able to see, for example, in TV or in newspapers, those are exactly the medias which the, the big mega companies are using. So is, is this all about the, about the generation shift that actually we should be hanging around in GitHub and making the, 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 uh, picking up our signals from there and saying that, okay, I'm having a huge amount of you know, marketing here. It's just in a different format. It's working differently compared to that, what we have been doing in the last 200 years with the newspapers. And then, of course, that... that Part of this, this marketing, of course, is that, that who wants to be this kind of, you know, a forerunner in this. At the moment, there are a lot of companies who are using open source the source code, but they try it on purpose staying underneath the radar. Who wants to be publishing that actually I'm using this kind of technology, which might be having this kind of accountability issues or, or whatever. They are not coming very, very easily front because, because of these legislations. Uh, or, and because of this kind of marketing hype, for example. So the question is that, that I would be claiming that there's a companies and institution organization who are using open source. How can we bring those up in the public knowledge that these kind of things are happening without that, that they will be punished because of that? A bit linked also to, to what I wanted to mention is about the marketing is that um, I think that open source and cybersecurity in, in that sense is a bit is a bit similar in, in the perspective of marketing because it's something that um, it works best if you don't talk about it. <laughs> uh, because um, it's com it's complex topics uh, and um, um, the example we, we talked about previously with, with managers or with people that are not so savvy technologically or that do not want to interest uh, be interested in this. Uh, well, they will be. They will not understand. They will. They will, they will have difficulties, or they will have more questions than, than answers. Uh, and, and so, probably to to um, 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 make sure that that open source, a bit like uh, cybersecurity, is something that uh, is not something that you do per se. So you do you do not 
some you, you it's not an objective it's more mean and 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 there i think it's more the com whereas I, I see it differently than 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 what you mentioned mika is that it's it's us we that know the complexity behind it that should put forward the advantages of one or the other other, other solution maybe not pointing because it is more secure because it is more open source because it is more i don't know reliable but simply because well uh, um, it, it it delivers what it what it what it does it does the job and 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 there is there are there are companies uh, available that can 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 support can inst can help install etc so it, so to 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 make make it um uh, i think that it is that is normal and uh, you mentioned it, uh, Paolo. Open source today, eighty-five percent of all software is open source. The cloud is is majority open source. So um, we should get to the point that we don't need to speak about uh, about it anymore. But there is still a need today to deal with the special cases. I, I would say, or with the the big discussions, there still needs to be this expert discussion. But on the pure marketing side. Um, um, well, maybe we should not bother the normal people, so to say, with open source or with, with cybersecurity. It's the same, I would say, because they were probably not interested in. Well, the, the European Commission uh, has quite a few documents and they're fairly ambitious uh, when it comes to their uh, open source plans. Um, uh, so do you think that has actually an impact? I know we don't measure these kind of things, but um, it is uh, a 390 uh, pages strategy paper from the uh, EC, uh, do a dent? Uh, in a way, yes, because that is actually a, a, you know, a good message, a good signal from European institutions. They say, well, you know, in a way for us is the norm. So why talking about you know, how the water comes out of my tap, you know, because it's, it's normal. That is, a, let's say, a kind of public good. People want to have the water running all the time, but they don't bother with the complexity uh, behind it. In a way, open source, yes. For most, it's the same. For most involved in the uh, in the market, is the same. For those that actually are benefiting uh, from it, uh, I mean, they are just, in a way, consuming uh, a... Uh, you know, a, a solution consuming a product from where it's coming from does not really matter. Okay, I do not really care how the engine of my car is made as long as it brings me from A to B. So that that is in a way the issue of not listening to my uh, mechanic saying, ah, yeah, but if you do that, you know, you know, it, it will work a lot better. But there, there are also other points that we we got to look at. Is first of all education when we send our kids to school. Well, first of all. Uh, there is a situation where we are uh, kind of pushing them to become a consumer because there is too much of these tablet apps uh, and you know web-based applications and so on that they don't understand. They are just consumers of these uh, the solution. We should just bring them back as well to understand because mm -hmm. they got to learn and probably uh, understand that. And from the from the let's say general. Uh, awareness in, in, in a way by so cooperation I'm totally convinced that we should start creating the open source program offices in institutions many pub, uh, private organizations already have them for example the European Commission they established an open source program office actually to be the bridge between those that are not interested in a, in a way on the complexity of open source they are interested in the efficiency cost saving flexibility that open source provide them. So these people that have the skills are able then actually to advise 
many institutional organizations, uh, even private organizations to say, okay, well, this is what is available. Let's use it and contribute together to make it even better. Mm-hmm. Nico? No, I, I think that there's there might be this kind of misunderstanding many times that when we are discussing about the community, it, it's not the organization or company or GmbH or whatever. Actually, it's a, it's a group of people who have been coming voluntarily together, doing something together. And I would be claiming at the moment that the mega companies are having better relation for the communities compared to the governments. Governments are seeing that through the paper that that if we are increasing the paper pile from 300 pages. The 1,700 pages, we have been making a major step already there with what comes to the open source community work. When actually the mega companies are, are hosting the forums where the, the people are coming coming together, they are rewarding these people, they are having a payment systems, they are having publicity for the individuals, all kind of things which are missing, missing from the governments, which are only increasing the pile of paper. And this is, of course, one of the, the things is that that Governments, if they like to use the communities, they have to also change their approach. You can't regulate the community. You can't force them to gather, come and gather. They are coming if they are wanting, and you have to have a carrot for that, not the stick. Mm. Okay, I see. Yeah, so there's this organic growth. I think that kind of gives a good overview of all the the challenges uh, when it comes to to spreading uh, the the uh, open source um, uh, ideas. Um, like I have. Now a question about the stakeholders, um, some that were uh, on our forum, and there the the first and obvious question is, um, Pascal, can you highlight the role of the um, European Cybersecurity Competence Center in promoting uh, the uh, open source uh, software thought? Yes, so maybe and uh, building on, on, on what Mika just said, um, I agree that yes, governments are... are are lacking a few a few um, elements or a, f- a few possibilities that that uh, that big companies have. Um, on the other side, they are also uh, uh, bound themselves to. I would say, a government can only do things that are in that are that are part of regulation. So it has to it has to create create regulations to be able to be come active. And the DCCC is one of these regulations that has been done to become to be able to become active in a, in a certain perspective. DCCC obviously is concentrating on cybersecurity competence building mainly, um, but there in there open source uh, for me is a clear is a clear uh, element, and um, is is this carrot element I think that 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 Mika mentioned. Um, but it needs to be it needs to be defined in a, in a regulation somewhere else. The ECC cannot do some anything because it needs to have a legal basis to be able to use public money to do things. So that that's that's a bit the the balance that that, that governments always have to have to play. This can be at certain some points can be an an an, an, an advantage compared to 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 companies because the the mission is is is. Uh, uh, needs to be defined. I would say for general uh, interest, for public, uh, um, uh, for public benefit. Where a company has its own, its own benefit and and and, and, and maybe has its own agenda. Governments have generally more, uh, at least, are looking for 
the territory they are there that they are um, concerned about to 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 make sure that everybody is is somehow um, getting a benefit out of out of what is being done. And this is this is uh, um, what at the level of ECC is is the idea. So to to make sure that the all the 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 money that is available for research, for innovation, for implementation, for uh, anything related to cybersecurity is better organized in the future, is more streamlined to to create impact in in Europe, and um, um, with the prime objective of reaching a certain technological autonomy for Europe. And there comes in the element of, of open source because we mentioned previously the um, uh, the skills aspect and open source is a challenge when it comes to skills, but it's for me first an opportunity because it's really the opportunity to create skills, to build competence in your company, in your organization, in your country, in your region, um, uh, because you have access to all, to everything that is related to, to the technology. So this is a way really to create competence. And if there is a carrot that comes with this, well, I think we are in a win-win game. Mm -hmm. Well, we already uh, briefly touched on it, but how, and that is perhaps a, a question uh, for, uh, for Paolo, um, how can an open source program office uh, fit into this? Is, 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 is that a complement? Is that um, a necessity? Um, what's what's your, your stand on that? Well, I would say that um, as of today, it's a necessity because we actually talked about skill shortage. Uh, and let's keep in mind that so open source program office Let's say it's a name or a term that's being created to try to identify a group of people. So it doesn't need to be an actual physical a new office uh, and so on. But uh, a, a group of people that actually have at least a decent uh, amount of uh, skills that then can serve also many organizations with their skills. So that, that means, uh, for example, if we have the uh, Luxembourg uh, uh, House of Cybersecurity with a lot of skills for example, in, yes, cybersecurity, actually, but using open source with the awareness of what works, what can be done, what the tools are available, and so on, can then help others, probably through their own specialistic uh, open source program office, let's say healthcare. We have, for example, uh, healthcare institutions here, they set up an open source program office that actually identifies the best tools uh, identify us so what is being used in there, create awareness within the organization, and on top of it, talks with the House of Security and say, we have the issue, you have the skills, can we just combine them so we just help each other from that point of view? And so on. University should do the same. Well, they even have a big research center, so we have a lot of big brains there that actually are using open source every day. We are not tapping into all that value, all that knowledge and to an open source program office connect and so with the others, then we can actually do that. Mm -hmm. When it comes to uh, the recommendations, um, we'll sort of wrap up now. Um, the main recommendations we can, uh, we can uh, really uh, bear in mind that also came uh, out of, of our forum uh, was uh, for one, certainly increase uh, awareness around uh, open source. And um, another one was establish a catalog, um, yes. because yes, GitHub is a catalog, but also a very unstructured catalog. And um, 
uh, yeah, maybe you could even think about uh, some uh, AI magic around that um, uh, to uh, uh, to have a catalog that is more or less uh, useful. Um, uh, Mika. And I would not be forgetting, for example, the, what the, uh, Pascal was also mentioning earlier, is that, that the regulations. So if we are building the regulation, and not only EU, but all the other countries in the way, that there has to be an inbuilt accountability, then actually it will be meaning that the mega companies are only ones who are able to package these open source and put that in a sellable product, uh, product, uh, product where they are taking the accountability. Then actually that the direct link is lost between the, 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 the smaller companies, many countries, and between the, the open source communities, because the only way should be and would be then, then through the, the, the mega companies who are only ones who are able to, to, to follow this kind of cybersecurity or resilience legislation and, and uh, liability requirements. Yeah, that, that would basically fall in the uh, policy innovation uh, uh, field, if you want. But for that, you need courage. And um, as we uh, touched on uh, at the very, very uh, beginning, um, if there, uh, if risk averseness uh, towards open source is at a, at, a, at a company level, it's of course also uh, at other levels. Yes, Paolo. Yeah, well, we could uh, actually link into uh, well something else that is in a way also threatening uh, open source as we know the, at the moment. Uh, well, we will see, you know, the final text of the Cyber uh, uh, Resilience uh, Act, where there are some issues because probably at the beginning, uh, open source hasn't been understood, but there are also some opportunities in uh, in there that can actually be uh, developed. So we are talking about creating uh, more security. Uh, so within the software, when you actually develop the software, and I totally for it, you know, that is actually. Uh, what we needed uh, since uh, since a long time. If we then uh, are able to combine that with naturally the open source program officers where we have these skills, we combine that also with the catalog where we say, okay, it's going to take a while because I don't know, uh, you know, how many years we will have actually to adapt the situation to the new uh, uh, to the new act. But that probably is going to uh, allow us enough time to help also small organizations, small companies to go through, let's say, uh, the auditing process and actually make that nice check marks in that catalog because, for example, the House of Cybersecurity or other uh, National uh, Cybersecurity Competence Center actually went through their own local production of open source and actually managed to certify especially this, the, the, uh, this whole project. So in a way, we will get also a very positive outcome out of it and you know probably help uh, a bit the, uh, the the situation. So resolve the the kind of risk assessment risk using this issue turning into an opportunity. Mm -hmm. With that, um, I think we we uh, we touched and covered more or less uh, all uh, all topics that uh, that are in the outcome paper that we uh, will release uh, in the month of uh, June. Um, is there any anything that is uh, dear to you that you want uh, want to add, Paolo? Yeah, just one last comment. Uh, talking about uh, regulations and, and things like that. Um, I'm uh, actually uh, busy so with other uh, workshops about open source, as with the European Commission and other organization, uh, where it turned out that many countries actually have in their own legislation that the uh, public sector should 
evaluate open source, and then if they don't find the solution that fix their, their issues, then uh, purchase uh, you know proprietary software. Okay, that in terms of recommendation, in terms of legislation, is something that will help because maybe at the end that public sector organization doesn't find the specific uh, feature in some open source uh, uh, platform, but at least they will have to make an effort. And uh, instead of uh, choosing from a glossy catalog or from a salesperson selling the user products, they will have to look around. We're going to have a catalog already in, in place, probably, with the nice check mark, everything is available. So that will help, that bit of legislation, which is very simple, mm -hmm. will help also in actually pushing forward open source in big time. And this is the right moment because the, uh, we, have, we will have elections this year, so it's the right moment mm -hmm. to... To, to promote that. To promote that, 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 uh, that idea, indeed. Let's do it. <laughs> and and uh, I would also like to take that, that, you know, one of the part of how could be the, um, energizing this whole community is, of course, that, that we should be solving the pro certain problems on their behalf, which are, for example, intellectual properties, license models, how we are able to reward those. Like in the, in the GitHub, for example, the mega companies has been already creating this kind of payment system to reward they, 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 uh, this kind of active uh, contributors. We should be also solving those in the, in the, in the legislations and, and the way how we are working. You have to remember that, that when we are discussing about open source, it's a community having a 300 different programming languages. So it's not self-evident that what we are looking for there is coming automatically. We are able having a good this kind of uh, possibility to to form this in in the way how it should be f serving our this kind of their targets, not actually only letting it li to live as it is at the moment. Thank you very much. Um, I think uh, that was rather insightful. Um, it's a compendium to our uh, paper. Daniele, I thank you also very much for having been with us uh, remotely. And um, for the rest, I'm looking forward to uh, working uh, with you all again, uh, maybe on open source, maybe uh, on uh, something else. And um, with that, I thank you very much. Well, and let's, let's make open source happen. Thank you, Daniele. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you all.